Hi, everybody. This is the first episode of the Stuff Adventists Should Know podcast. I'll be releasing one episode a month for a little bit just to whet your appetite, and then who knows how often. If you haven't listened to my introductory episodes, they explain a little bit of what I'm trying to accomplish, so maybe go back and check those out. Also, this podcast has a blog at stuffadventistshouldknow.org. Also, the podcast is on Twitter and Facebook. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you like the content, please give it a head start by rating it. That would be awesome. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I'm Nick Hostet, and this is Stuff Adventists Should Know. When you want to know how much Donald Trump weighs, just Google it. But if you're an Adventist and you're wondering what to do when you disagree with the church, you've come to the right place. Today on Stuff Adventists Should Know, how to disagree with the church. Right now, we're at an interesting time in Seventh-day Adventism to pause and observe. From an outside lens, it seems like we're kind of split. One side is afraid it can't trust the church system of governance, while the other side is afraid truth and unity are being trampled all over. I'm just speculating here. And in the middle of these two sides is a hill worth dying on. At the same time, most of us have access to social media platforms to air out our complaints and opinions. But at a time when it's hardest to be truly Christian as we profess, it's time to pause our anxieties just for a minute in order to understand the context and the system and the side opposite to our views. And I'm attempting to undertake this with my current project, Stuff Adventists Should Know. I talked with Ty Gibson to hear his story of starting up a ministry, and then later on, we'll hear how he challenged the authoritative nature of Adventist leadership and how he had to choose between his ministry and his church. Lightbearers is the ministry that, that I'm a part of, that I um, co-founded with uh, a friend of mine named James Rafferty. And we've been doing that for quite a few years. That's the ministry that we do. It's a multimedia ministry. It's a publishing ministry. It's a it's a, a video production ministry. It's in, it, we do evangelism. We we do um, all kinds of different revival events, uh, spiritual growth seminars, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a it's a ministry. Lightbearers is a ministry. Ty and James didn't actually mean to start a ministry called Lightbearers. As new believers, they were fired up and unstoppably evangelizing their friends and family with their new revelation that, wow, the universe has meaning now. Uh, there is a God who is love, and everything started to make sense. As they kept sharing their faith, these in-home Bible studies started popping up everywhere, and a bunch of people began coming to faith. And in these small groups, people liked what they had to say so much that they started recording Ty and James on cassettes and sending them all over the place. And we thought, oh, it's no big deal. They're just going to, you know, recover some of the ideas to take notes or something. We weren't familiar with the Adventist culture or Christian culture in general. We didn't realize that when they record something, that means they're going to make copies and distribute. <laughs> and so the next thing we know, we started getting phone calls from people saying, hey, we heard these tapes. This is back when they had cassette tapes. We heard these tapes of these meetings that you gave in, in and uh, would you come over to you know, our church and teach those same 
ideas, those same concepts. And I thought, oh, that's weird. What do you mean? Where is it? Oh, it's over in Tennessee. Oh, it's over in California. Oh, it's, you know, so I, I'm at that point, I'm like 19 years old. Long story short, next thing I know, one invitation after another, I'm scheduled every weekend of the year doing seminars, doing evangelism. So the ministry kind of was birthed out of need, out of people saying, hey, come here and, and preach. Come here and do some meetings. Come here and give a seminar. I said, okay. I asked Ty if he could explain a little bit of his message that seemed so contagious and how it evolved over time. So the original concept, the original truth that attracted my attention and that won me to faith in Christ is the simple, profound truth that God is love and all the implications that, that flow from that, okay? So, so that was the premise, that was the basis of my conversion and my encounter with God. But that basic perspective has just grown and expanded to take in all kinds of territory theologically, intellectually, philosophically, you know, when someone says from the point of your conversion, has anything changed in your perspective? Well, yeah, lots of things have changed in my perspective because you keep reading, you keep studying, you keep praying, you keep opening your mind heavenward, you're going to change your perspectives. I could say it this way. If, if you believe today exactly what you believed five years ago, something's wrong. Yeah. You, you've got to keep reading. God is leading us. There's something called justification. And there's something called sanctification, which means growth. It means developmental process. And so, yeah, I think there was a period of time early in my conversion when my emphasis was more strongly centered on God is love. Therefore, I have freedom. So a lot depends on my freedom. So Ty, you know, you have choices, get your act together, do what's right, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it was more behavior centered on me, you know, early in my, my conversion. But I would say that now, while the basic structure of thought hasn't changed, that, that more and more the emphasis in my teaching and my basic framework is on the God is love because that's... The God is love part of the equation is where the power is. That's where the impetus is. That's where the catalyst is. That's where boom happens. So there's just no way to, 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 to make any sense out of the human part of the equation unless you are completely obsessed with the divine part of the equation. So you guys were preaching and really excited about the work you were doing, studying and spreading this message of the gospel. But all of a sudden, when you guys had grown quite a bit and built up a following, church leaders confronted you and James, and that kind of sparked a conflict, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Before Ty gets into it, though, he needs to give a disclaimer. In addition to light bearers and all that includes, I also pastor a church called Storyline Adventist Church here in Eugene, and uh, that's a conference church. We have a very close working relationship with the conference, and I'm, you know, I'm a pastor for the Oregon Conference as well as being a co-director of light bearers. And so the relationship is very good. It's very tight. It's it's all it's all it's all good, but. I was not raised in the church or in any church. 
And I thought that, that Sue and I were just baptized into that church on the corner of Pines and Mission, you know, in the city. It, I mean, I was an Adventist for almost a year before I realized there was anything called a conference or a union or a division or a general conference or that there were hospitals and colleges. I didn't know any of that. So, so you have to get, you have to realize I was completely new to Christianity, to the existence of God. I was completely new to Adventism. I didn't know anything about an organizational structure, so to speak. But it's not just that I didn't know about it. When I began to know about it, it took a while to comprehend you know, why that was significant at all. So when we began doing ministry, which I mentioned earlier as giving Bible studies to friends and family and neighbors and just people we're meeting, doing small groups and homes. Um, when we began doing ministry, there were some individuals um, in church leadership who found that to be unacceptable. Their basic perspective was an authoritarian perspective. Hey, this is our conference. This is our territory that you live in here. So no ministry is to be done here really without our permission type of an attitude. And, and I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I was like, well, what? Who are you? What? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Well, I'm your conference president. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you are. I didn't know I had one. I didn't know I had a conference president. Suddenly there's this authority figure sitting behind a, a big shiny desk with a suit and a tie on. I'm wearing a pair of Vans and a pair of jeans and a, a t-shirt. He's telling me he's my conference president and that I can't really do ministry unless he approves because this is his territory. 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 Unacceptable. With a suit and a permission. Tie on. Authoritarian territory. I didn't know any of that. Tie on. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Conference, conference president. Authority figure. Big shiny desk. Tie on. Boom. Conference. General I didn't know any of Division. Hospital. Colleges. Organizational structure. Authoritarian. Unacceptable. You're not the Pope and this isn't Rome, so don't tell me what to do. I said that. I couldn't wrap my mind around this authority idea. There was a riff for a period of time. People were coming to our meetings and, and conferences were saying, hey, so who are you and why are you over here preaching in my conference at this local university? And all these church members are going over to hear you preach. So, so you see the rub there? They're thinking, what are you doing? Who are you? Do you have permission? So words like permission, words like territory, words like authority, you know, those kinds of words didn't have any place in my psyche. I was just like, what are you talking about? I'm just gonna share the gospel because I was invited to do so and I don't know why you should be concerned about it. So I was immature in my in my understanding of authority and, and the corporate body of Christ and, and so on. But at the same time, I think some of them were immature in the way they handled us. They, they should have been more like our original pastor uh, Russell Burrell, who was very empowering and priesthood of all believers in his orientation, and he just opened the door to me. And actually, it's all his fault. <laughs> He's the one who basically said, you know, Ty, uh, win souls for Christ. I know what some of you might be thinking. Why would Ty think he was immature? He merely experienced irritation at the attitudes of proud Seventh-day Adventist leaders of his time. He was zealously making a huge difference in people's lives, and he had the right to be upset and confront them like he did. Some others of you might be thinking, yeah, he was preaching the gospel, but who knows what kind of gospel he was preaching. 
In order to make sure he was spreading truth, he needed to be in union with the greater body of Christ and accountable to the leaders who were ordained by God. To react like he did was selfish and proud. I'm not gonna lie, while he was telling his story, I was getting frustrated for him. I mean, what you're saying resonates with me a lot. Well, the resistance thing resonates with me a lot. I can see that in your eyes. <laughs> You've got a mischievous look in your eye. Yeah, yeah. There is an independence in human nature and there is a legitimate and righteous independence and freedom. But there's also an illegitimate independence that breeds division. And that's happening right now. The, the theological battles and the fights that have been going on in Adventism forever. This isn't an Adventist problem. This is a human problem. Wherever you get human beings together, trying to do anything together as a corporate body, there's going to be rub. People are going to rub one another the wrong way. People are going to have different perspectives, different opinions. And that's why, uh, as a rule, uh, the church should operate, in my perspective, on the premise of the gospel. So then, I'd like to know how that should be done. What does that even look like? The gospel is liberation and freedom, but freedom and liberation in love and deference to one another that's voluntarily chosen. So, so yeah, there's a legitimate independence. And the moment you realize you have it, you should submit it voluntarily to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't disagree with you at all. I agree with you. Your I eyes think, are telling me otherwise. No, this term mutual submission is really, really difficult when you're married, when it's not mutual. Yeah, <laughs> you're married now, Nick. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. It's so hard. To, it is difficult when it's not mutual, though. Yeah, it and, is. and especially in the church when the leadership, it doesn't look like they are living or leading a gospel centered way. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's it's hard to imagine anything more challenging in, in church life than seeing the kinds of things that we're often seeing take place and not wanting to just rise up and and declare independence and, you know. Well, we just celebrated 500 years of the Reformation, yeah, you know. Right, that's, so right, like, that's right, that's the right. The Reformation was a really, really good thing. Is there a place for that kind of Reformation? There is, and that's what you hear coming from, from me and from us as light bearers. I mean, we believe as, as a kind of a general, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but the general perspective that we try to operate by is that, that we want to use our influence to foster and to encourage reform in the directions that we think it needs to be encouraged, but not with defiance, not with a bad attitude, not with any kind of chip on our shoulder, and not with disrespect to people. Um, at the end of the day, humility is extremely powerful. Now, it's not natural to us. It's not natural to me. It's not natural to you. But but it's extremely powerful to, to know that you have the power to be independent and to voluntarily choose to listen yeah. and to engage and to be respectful and to remain in fellowship, to remain, to remain, to remain in fellowship and not just get upset and walk away. If you get upset and walk away, you're just going to form something else with another group of people 
And you're going to find out that human nature followed you there as well. And what you just described where you have the freedom and passion to butt heads and do it pretty arrogantly, but you choose to submit yourself in humility. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Jesus did that. And he died because of it. He died because of it. The system crucified him. The religious system in cahoots with the political system crucified the God of heaven. In the light of what we're talking about, how do you think the church is doing right now? Right now, we're going as a church, we're just going through, I'd have to say this is the most challenging period of Adventist history since my baptism. Since I've been an Adventist, it's, I've never seen anything like this. Um, it's, it's frightening, actually, because people are getting tired and upset and walking away. I mean, I, the stories I could tell you, man, of groups of young adults that have come to me saying, hey, can we talk? Um, some of them even organized groups at universities, Adventist universities. Hey, can we talk? And we sit down to talk and there are a lot of Adventist young adults who are giving up in despair and are saying, you know what? If this is the way it's gonna be, I want nothing to do with it. And they're getting discouraged and they're throwing in the towel and they're walking away. I just said to a group that I was with uh, about a week ago, these, this is a group of, I don't know, probably about 60 Seventh-day Adventist young adults. And they were essentially saying, we're done. We, we don't wanna be Adventists anymore. Uh, we can't go along with this system. Uh, it's embarrassing. They were saying things like that. We can't even hold our head up and we don't even wanna bring anybody uh, to our own denomination. We're, we're, we're tired, we're done. They were saying things like that. Man, my heart was just overwhelmed by it. And I told them a lot of things as we talked it through, but one of the things I told them is I said, well, if you leave, if you walk away, you're essentially giving up on the principles that you claim to believe and you're giving the system over to the very ideas and, and ways of operating that you stand against. So, so why not just claim it? Rather than walk away from it, claim it. Claim Adventism. Say, this is my church. I'm not going anywhere. And uh, I'm going to stick around and let my voice be heard. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the necessary conversations. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept responsibility corporately. I'm not better than anybody. You know, given the same circumstances, given the same background, given the same education, given the same whatever the factors are, you pull them all together, I would be thinking the same way and doing the same things as the very people I disagree with. I'm not fundamentally better than anybody else that I disagree with. And I'm as capable of being wrong, being imbalanced, being off, being ridiculous, being obnoxious, being rebellious, being authoritarian as anybody else. I'm just as capable of all the stuff I hate as anybody else. And so I need to remain in conversation and remain in fellowship. If there's ever been a time when we need a kind of corporate repentance attitude, if there's ever been a time when we need 
deference and conversation and kindness and civility and respect and listening and speaking and all of that coming together in, in a way that is in harmony with the character of Christ, with the love of God. If there's ever been a time when we needed to stick together and press together, it's now. It's now, man. This is not a time to walk away from Adventism. Ty, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. Stuff Adventists Should Know was written, recorded, and edited by me, Nick Hostet. The music for this episode was created by John Luke Hefferman, Gillicuddy, Gun Control, Jazar, Fields, Ohio, and Scott Gratton. Thank you so much to Ty Gibson, who was late for a meeting to keep talking with me. Sorry, whoever you are. It was really good stuff, though. Thank you for listening to Stuff Adventists Should Know, and I hope you learned something. <laughs>